When it's cold outside, thanks to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, you'll be warm and toasty inside. Right now, put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to two years at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Visit PellaWI.com today. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us on the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, you got the reports. Look, here's the reality. Black Friday is not what it was five or ten years ago where you'd have all the big box retailers that would open up at four o'clock in the morning and you would have the people that would line up. And I can remember year after year, I used to, a lot of times I'd come in and I'd do the 830 shift um, at uh, on the day after Thanksgiving. And, and we'd always just kind of religiously spend the first 30 minutes or an hour just talking to people, many of whom were back at their houses after getting together with their family or their friends and, and lining up outside of Best Buy or Walmart or fill in the blank, you know, at, at four o'clock in the morning, something stupid early because they, they wanted to be the first one to get a chance for their doorbusters. That that has has definitely changed. Now, I understand that there's more people that are out there shopping. And I, I just sort of noticed that this morning as I was driving in, I had to just run by run by the bank and just make a little bit of a deposit. I had a check I wanted to deposit. And so the, the bank that I went to was in a, a small shopping center, but there was a, there was a Best Buy there and that it was, it was pretty darn full. So that tells me that if you're going out and about to the malls today, you just kind of, what does Debbie Lazica say, pack your patience. Because my guess is even though it's not like the Black Fridays of the past, there's still a lot of people that were out there shopping. One of the reasons why it's not as much of the Black Fridays as the past is I think a lot of the places that the, the deals aren't necessarily there. I mean, you, you get the deals that are year-round, and more of the people are turning to Internet shopping, and we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But I want to start off with with Wisconsin being featured prominently in a story in the Washington Post today. And it's something that we have discussed before, and I know it's an issue that just like men are from Mars and women are from Venus, it's one where there's very little common ground. And I'm talking about the traffic phenomenon known as roundabouts. Um, roundabouts are very, very big in Wisconsin. And I think everybody knows what a roundabout is now. You know, you come up and instead of having a four-way stop or a stoplight, you know, when you come up and roundabouts are one where you have to slow down and you kind of move to the right and you yield and there's traffic coming from all ways. And the idea is the traffic doesn't stop. The idea is the traffic moves continuously and you flow through the roundabouts. I was thinking about this yesterday because as I was saying a couple of minutes ago, you know, we spent, you know, Thanksgiving evening, we went out to my son-in-law and my stepdaughter's house and went there Wednesday night. And then they were kind enough to let us come back and have Thanksgiving dinner with them. And, and in order to get there, you have to pass through several of these roundabouts. And my wife, who um, always, you know, wants to be cautious, she's always, don't go too fast through that roundabout. You always like to, you know, you, you take those things too fast. And Okay, thanks, hon. So... But I'm, I'm always very mindful of that. I told the story a while ago that this summer, I, every Sunday in the summer for decades now, I, I have a group of friends and we play golf at Hawthorne Hills, which is a public golf course in Sockville. And the easiest way to get there from where I live is you take the freeway I-43 North, you get off at the Sockville exit, which is you know State Highway 33, which runs 
from essentially Sockville, and it runs all the way across to West Bend. Well, you you go outside of Sockville if you're trying to get to this particular golf course, and then, I don't know, a few miles outside of Sockville, there's Highway I, which runs north and south, and it's an intersection where there have been over the years a number of fatal accidents, in part because you've got people, you're kind of coming down a hill, you've got people that are moving fast, People on 33 had the right-of-way. There was a stop sign. But what would happen is people crossing Highway I would try to cross. People coming down 33 wouldn't slow down or they'd be speeding. And and you had more than your share of fatal accidents. So um, interstate, um, I'm sorry, Highway 33, State Highway 33 was closed for three or four months because they decided to take out the the two stop signs and they decided to put in a roundabout as a way of slowing down traffic. Now, I don't understand why it necessarily took them four months to build this roundabout, but they did, and now it's there, and when I've driven it, it's, candidly, it makes that intersection a lot safer because you, you have to slow down. And the thing with roundabouts is, while they don't guarantee that there's not going to be a collision, what happens is if there's a collision in a roundabout, it tends to be a minor collision because you, you have to slow down. You might have a fender bender or something like that, but you don't have these catastrophic collisions where you know a car is driving 70 miles an hour and another car pulls out and you have you know you, you t-bone them, hit them, and people end up dead. So roundabouts, while again. You, you can argue about whether or not they reduce the number of collisions. There, there's no question that they do not have is the severity of collisions. That That's just the reality because you're not moving as fast and they tend to be fender benders. Nevertheless, lots of people just still don't care for them. The Washington Post has a story today and the headline is roundabouts are slowly eating the suburbs. And it's a conversation about roundabouts in general. But the thing that really caught my attention is, first of all, you know, roundabouts are dramatically, you know, increasing across the country. But you can make a strong argument that there's no state in the country where roundabouts are increasing or being used more than the state of Wisconsin. The Washington Post has this this table, and they look at, at different states, and they measure this in different ways. If you look at, now keep in mind, there's, of course, 50 states if you look at the number of roundabouts per miles driven, you know, per miles driven, Wisconsin comes in eighth, comes in eighth. If you look about the number, if you look at the number of roundabouts per per person, and again, this isn't, I'm, I'm going to give you the number, we are second. Now, that doesn't mean there's two roundabouts per person. It means if you compare us to all the other states based on population, we come in second as far as the number of roundabouts, which tells you that our Department of Transportation, and it doesn't matter whether it's been under Republican governors or Democratic governors, our our Department of Transportation is very, very committed to the idea of using roundabouts, our number. 855-616-1620. That is the WTMJ talk and text line. All right, let's have a post-Thanksgiving analysis. This is the wave of the future. There's no question about it. I know you're seeing more roundabouts. If you think you are, that's because you are, because this is is the trend. More and more roundabouts. My question is, do you love them? Do you hate them? Have you gotten used to them? How do you adapt to them? 
Are we doing it too much? Are we going overboard? Should we be going back to the stoplight? Should we be going back to stop signs? 855-616-1620. That's a WTMJ talk and text line. Chances are you drove over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house, and you may very well have had to go through one, two, three, four roundabouts. Do you like them or not? We discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620. That's my producer, Charlie. He's bringing his A-game here. Yeah, we're talking about roundabouts. Let's start with Katie in Burlington. Katie, you're on WTMJ. Hi there. I live in uh, Burlington, so I am in western Racine County. And between Western Racine County heading eastbound into Racine, you have dozens and dozens of these T intersections. And in recent years, we have seen a plethora of the roundabouts increasing. Um, however, we also have a lot of intersections that still have, uh, it seems, a unreal amount of accidents in an intersection that is visually clear, that everyone can see from all four sides. And I just think a lot of that is lazy, inattentive drivers. Yeah. And I, I'm i amazed. I mean, I, I took the route for eight years back and forth commuting to my kids' schools, both ways, from Racine into the county and from Burlington back east, going through the same intersections, Highway J and English Settlement, or Plank Road and English Settlement, um, 45 and 8 Mile, 45 in Washington. I've witnessed accidents, just horrible, where people just, right. they roll right through the intersection. Yeah. And I think there's an over-reliance on these to protect people when, in fact, it's really improved attentive driving and discipline for people caught on their phones no. or causing accidents because due to inattentive driving, because you can't you can't roundabout every intersection out here. There are just dozens of them. Right. Okay, thanks. Well, you, you know, look, and, and this isn't a – it's not a magic bullet when it comes to collisions because you're exactly right. I mean, it doesn't – it doesn't stop the inattentive driving. It doesn't stop the fact that, the uh, you know, if, if somebody's not paying attention because they're texting. But but the one thing it does do, and I think the statistics do not lie about this, as I was saying earlier, it reduces the amount of catastrophic accidents because you, you have to show, slow down. Uh, the, like the intersection that I'm thinking of, Highway I out in, well, you know, whether it's Ozaki County or Washington County, I think it's probably Ozaki County still, you know, the, this intersection, you know, Traffic going 65, 70 miles an hour, and then, you know, people going on highway, I have to cross that coming through the stop sign, and it's just, it's been the site of horrific accidents. Now you have to slow down. That, that's the reality. So if there, if there is a, I mean, you're, you're just not going to be able to take that roundabout at 70 miles an hour. You've got to slow down going into that. And there, there may actually even be more of the the small the fender benders because somebody's refusing to yield or whatever but you're not hitting it at that high rate of speed that you would otherwise hit it at and so instead of a fatality you end up with a couple thousand dollars worth of damage to your car now the one thing i do agree about is my biggest frustration still is where you have the the roundabout after roundabout after roundabout. It's sort of like, okay, you've got the one, and then you come out of one, and then you immediately go into a second one, then you immediately go into a third one. And there's, there's ones like that that are all over. And it's kind of like, okay, are we going to not have any straight highways at all? But that's clearly the, the trend. Ian in Kenosha. Ian, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. So, um, 
Let's see. So, well, um, I think roundabouts are a good thing. I think that roundabouts do reduce accidents, but there are some in- instances like where roundabouts are put on roads, like residential roads, like in, like in Kenosha, yeah. there's this road called Lincoln Road. It isn't being used as much, and so they I don't know why they put a roundabout there, but it just doesn't make sense. But mm-hmm. I think they, I think drivers do need to be aware that that they they can't just roll through it. They just, they oh, right. No, you have to pay attention. No, Ian, thanks for calling. No, you're exactly right. You, I mean, you, you clearly have to pay attention. The other thing about roundabouts is, from a maintenance perspective, once you build them, you, you it's essentially taken care of, as opposed to putting a, for example, a stoplight up there. Um, you know, some of the ones where they've replaced that. Well, okay, you, you have the maintenance issues with the electronics and the stoplight and things like that. Once you build that roundabout, it, it's, I mean, it, it's, it's there. I mean, you obviously have the normal road maintenance that you would have, but beyond that, it, it's taken care of. So they, they tend to be cheaper. Look, it took me a little while to get used to this, and I think people still need to appreciate the rules, namely, like if, if there's a truck, for example, in a roundabout, you're not supposed, you're supposed to, you're, you're not supposed to drive next to the truck. Um, you're supposed to hang back because a lot of those roundabouts, the, Planes are only so wide, and, you know, the, the trucks, you know, they're going to be lucky to stay in that one lane. So that's the rule. You have to stay back. Once we get used to them, I, I think, in general, I think that they are a good thing, and I think that they do ultimately work. Pat in Sheboygan Falls. Pat, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, and happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, sir. I live on the south side of Sheboygan Falls, about a quarter mile from a high school, on a, on a major high highway, and there would be times where it would take you a good five minutes to get through an intersection. Right. And a half a mile uh, just to the east of there, there was two uh, two major roads crossing. And every, once a month, I, mean, I would actually hear the screech of the tires. I'd hear the thud. And a half right. a minute later, I'd hear the sirens going. And you had a major accident on yeah. the south side of Falls at least once a month. Yep. If they're designed right, they are great. The ones in Sheboygan Falls are super. There's one in the, in Sheboygan by the A Street Bridge where it has two lanes, and no matter what you are doing, you have to cross a lane of traffic and cut someone off. So that one's a mess. Yeah, and it, right. Thank that's you. all I got. No, thank. Well, no, and that's and, and that's kind of the the reality that, that's out there. And again, I, I think. You still have to know how to drive in these, but you're you're exactly right. I mean, the oh, the, the numbers I have are a little old. I, I have them from about a year and a half ago. There were over 500 roundabouts in Wisconsin, and that doesn't include some of the local ones. My guess is that there's probably several hundred more now because this is is the trend. But you're exactly right in what you're talking about. You 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 know that you are there accidents? Yes. Are there collisions? Absolutely. You know, but you're calling the tow truck instead of calling you know flight for life, and and that's the the big difference. It's again that your your example is perfectly correct, and at this intersection I think of exactly like that. Okay, you're 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 at the stop sign. 
you're crossing a, a state highway where you've got cars that are going to be driving or trucks or whatever. They're going to be driving 60, 65, 70 miles an hour, admittedly speeding. They're kind of coming down the hill. It's foggy. The conditions aren't great. You're guessing, hey, can I get across that highway? And, you know, most of the times people make it, but sometimes they don't. And when they don't, it's really kind of um, it's kind of nasty. Um, our text line is exploding, of course. Jeff, I wonder why they put so much landscaping on top that you can't see the cars coming through the other side. It seems like that would be more dangerous than having a flat, flat roundabout, roundabout. Jeff, I like roundabouts. I live in Waukesha County. We have a number of them in our area. I think they keep the traffic flowing much more efficiently. You're not sitting at stoplights waiting for the light to change, especially if there's now traffic in the other direction or, or the stop signs where you're waiting to, um, you know, where they're waiting to cross. Uh, Jeff, getting west out of Sheboygan is like um, that on uh, Highway I-42. Must be five roundabouts right in a row. There's no question. Jeff, my 80-year-old grandmother drives 20 minutes out of the way to avoid, and they're sending me a picture of one of these areas up in Nina where you've got like four roundabouts that are all right in a row. Don't get me wrong. I think that you can, um, I think that you can, you can overdo it. Jeff, the one you're talking about on Highway 33 was done well, large enough for semis. I don't like the Jackson roundabouts. Too many in a row. Those two lanes are dangerous. Jeff, at first, I didn't like the roundabouts, but after understanding how they worked, I believe they work well. Adjusting to it took time. Well, there's no question that's the case. And I, I get what made me launch into this topic was if you think that there's a, a lot of them around there, you're, you're right. And again, if you look at the, the hardcore numbers, the number of roundabouts per person in Wisconsin, we are second in the country. The number of roundabouts per miles driven, we are eighth in the country. So no matter how you, you, you slice it, we're talking about a lot of roundabouts, and it is the wave of the future. Jeff, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, talking about roundabouts, I personally hate them because if you're not paying attention, you get off on the wrong side when you go around those damn things. You do have to pay attention, you know, and, it, and if you're if you've got like a navigation system or you're using, you know, like Apple CarPlay or whatever, and they'll come on and they'll say, OK, entering the roundabout, take the second right. And you're going, is it the second right or the third right or what are they counting as the right? So I acknowledge you have to pay attention and I acknowledge that it might lead, especially if you're not familiar with it the first time you go through it, it might lead to some wrong turns. But the truth of the matter is, first of all, it is the wave of the future. It is cheaper. It is safer. And I think you're going to see a lot more in Wisconsin. Let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff, a friend of mine used to live near Cape Cod. He once said, I don't know why people get so upset about roundabouts. They're simple. Three rules. 15 miles an hour, yield left, signal your exit, and yes, sometimes you may have to stop. Jeff, I don't mind the double and single roundabouts, but I do use, wish people would use their directionals when exiting. And I think that's a fair comment, too. But it is the wave of the future. Did you say the carjacking victim had died? No, life-threatening life life yeah. injuries. Yeah, um... 25-year-old guy. It's Thanksgiving night, for God's sake. It's 8 o'clock at night, uh, 35th, 25th and Grant, and some guy, There, people are out carjacking other people on Thanksgiving night and the life-threatening injuries, mm -hmm. yeah. It's Thanksgiving, for goodness sakes. Watch football. Don't go out and steal cars at gunpoint. When we come back, it's the alternative to in-person Black Friday shopping. Some people say it's losing its mojo. I will explain. We will discuss.
Welcome back. Boy, time time just flies. 31 years ago yesterday, so 31 years ago yesterday, uh, November 24th of 1991, Freddie Mercury, who was the lead singer for the, the rock group Queen, but was the he was the guy that wrote a lot of songs that songs that are still part of our of our everyday life. I mean, he Freddie Mercury wrote um, Killer Queen and Bohemian Rhapsody and Somebody to Love and We Are the Champions that you hear all the time being played and Crazy Little Thing Called Love. All all that stuff was Don't Stop Me Now. All that stuff was Freddie Mercury and passed away. He died as a result of AIDS and passed away November 24th of 1991. It's just it's just amazing how time flies. It just doesn't seem like that was 31 years ago, but but it was Freddie Mercury passing away. But his that that's the thing about you know music, and that's the thing about films, and that's the thing about so much other stuff. Books it, they they live on. Paintings you know they they live on beyond an individual's life. But Freddie Mercury passed away 31 years ago today. Okay. The uh, we were talking earlier. This is of course Black Friday, and and one of the things that I've noticed is there there isn't. It used to be on Black Friday that this you'd have all the ads that were out there, and it's like okay, you got to get there. You got to line up at five o'clock in the morning, and you've got to have the doorbuster sales. And like I say, on, on over the years, I, I've done our, our eight thirty talk show. And I'd always I'd spend time talking to people who were actually back at their houses. Yeah, we were in line at four o'clock outside of you know whatever store, and we wanted to get the the DVR or we wanted to get what, whatever the, the the tape player, the VHS player, or the TV or, or whatever. We wanted the latest electronics, so we were lined up at four o'clock in the morning. The doors opened up at four thirty. We rushed in, we got it, we stopped, we had breakfast, and now we're back home. And I'm thinking it's eight thirty in the morning, and you got up and you were you're back home and all. But that's that that's what happened. Now I'm sure there's a little bit of that out there now but not as much because candidly what happens is a lot of the stores that they're they're offering sales and and they start with the sales that they advertise over the internet etc and it's not necessarily a one day sort of thing yes there's sales that are out there today but in many cases you could have gotten the same deal a couple weeks ago or you'll be able to get the same deal you know a couple weeks from now so that's one of the things that has affected this and let us be honest the big phenomena over the course of the last you know, 15 or 20 years has been the rise of Internet shopping in general and Amazon in particular. Because more and more people, if you, you want a particular item, for example, you, you, can, you can go to Amazon and you can put in, hey, I want the you know, Apple whatever, I want the new iPad. And you, you will get a series of different choices that you will have, and you can get the color that you want, and you can get the model. Do I want it with 64 gigabytes? Do I want it with 256 gigabytes? And, you know, depending on whether you're an Amazon Prime member or not, you can get it with free shopping. And, and you can you can look around, and you can actually competitively price these things out, and then you can just put in your credit card number and hit the button, and a day later, two days later, sometimes the same day, the thing shows up at your doorstep. And so the, the ease of shopping and the rise of Internet, uh, Internet shopping and the, certainly the rise of Amazon has has made more and more people. It's made it unnecessary to run out and stand in line in the stores. And I understand that there's still some people who, who like everything there is about shopping. You like to go and feel the different textures of the, the clothing and you like to kind of run from store to store looking to see what the best price is and will they match the price that I saw somewhere else. But for a lot of us who just 
absolutely hate shopping. And if you're a regular listener to this program, you know, I talk about this all the time. I'm, I'm a, I'm a buyer. I'm not a shopper. Okay. I need this. I want to, I want to get it. I want to get it the easiest way I possibly can. And, and I don't want to have to worry about it because driving to a particular place, standing in line, hoping that they have what I'm looking for. That's just not me. I respect those of you for who enjoy that, that, that thrill of the hunt. But again, it's not me. And that's why I, I'm, I'm a heavy relier on Amazon. I need something. Boom. I go on to Amazon. Hey, I just, this is a book that sounds kind of interesting. You know, it's been around for five or six years. Here, oh, they've got it in stock at Amazon. I'm going to order it. And then, you know, the next day or sometimes even that same day, it shows up at my doorstep. So I, I'm a big Amazon customer when I end up shopping. Story in the Wall Street Journal the other day. Amazon's customer satisfaction slips with shoppers. Research shows decline in user satisfaction at Amazon, and analysts see links to search results product quality. For nearly three decades, the way the story starts, Amazon has been defined by its obsession over customers. Recent information, however, suggests that consumer enthusiasm about the country's largest online retailer has slipped. The number of Amazon customers who said they were either extremely or very satisfied with the company in a recent survey has fallen, measuring at 79% in 2022. So in other words, let's round up. 80% of the customers say they are extremely or very satisfied, according to one of these firms that does the surveys. The number reached a low of 65% in 2020 during the pandemic, but is down from a peak of about 88% Almost a decade ago, last year, customer satisfaction at Amazon declined to a record low on the American Customer Satisfaction Index, which tracks, um, again, number of companies. Amazon scored 78 out of 100, down from 86 out of 100 five years earlier, and its worst performance since 2000. Okay, so let, let's, first of all, let's put this in, in perspective. You know, if you've got 80% of your customers who are saying they are satisfied or extremely satisfied with your service that's 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 a that's a good number okay that's a good number but in comparison if a couple years ago that number was 88% you know maybe it's cause for concern okay what why have we gone from 88% 9 out of 10 to you know 80% 8 out of 10 you know what what's going on there our number is 855-616-1620 that is the WTMJ talk and text line i, I don't I don't do these surveys. You know, I always get the, after you buy something from Amazon, then it pops up in your email box going, hey, how would you, you know, rate this stuff? And I, I rarely, I rarely end up doing that. But I have to confess, if I did, I, I, my reaction would almost always, not always, but almost always be, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm satisfied or extremely well satisfied. We had, uh, we, I ordered some blue jeans a couple weeks ago and they, they, they weren't quite as advertised. They were like I, they were like the stretch blue jeans, and and the the thing didn't say they were the stretch blue jeans. That's not what I was looking for. So we just packed them up and we you know dropped them off at UPS and ended up sending them back. But you know that notwithstanding, I, I would say in general I am extremely or very well satisfied with Amazon. But more and more people aren't. So let's tee this up. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's a WTMJ talk and text line for those of you who are online shoppers. All right. Any beefs with Amazon or in general, again, understanding that there's always going to be a problem here and there. Are you extremely satisfied or very satisfied with their their performance? I would certainly be yes. But 
Two out of ten people say no. 855-616-1620. What's going on? I was trying to think. The, 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 the last time we sent something back from Amazon, a couple weeks ago, I, I, I wear Levi's blue jeans, okay? And so um, I, I wanted a couple new pairs of Levi's blue jeans, and my wife had actually gone to a couple brick-and-mortar stores but couldn't find them in in my size <laughs> and so it's like okay well let, let's 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 at least the, the the blue jeans that we wanted and so okay I'll, I'll go to amazon and i'll order them we wanted to patronize the brick and mortar um retailer so then we order them and then they come back and they're this they're not the regular blue jeans they're like the stretch blue jeans which is like this thinner material and that's not what i wanted and it's not how they were billed on the amazon website and so you know we ended up packing them up and sending them back and i admit i was a little bit irritated because the reason the reason I ordered them online is because I, I didn't want these stretch blue jeans, and you would have thought that they would have like made that prominent. But that but that's okay. It, it's a minor thing. That's that's my biggest beef. But overall, while I wasn't satisfied with that transaction, I, I think in general I've been pretty satisfied with everything that comes from Amazon. Brian in Concord. Brian, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, Jeff. How you doing? Good. Happy Thanksgiving. What do you think? Well, my beef which you have a beef, but my beef is when I order something from Amazon, it comes from a third-party seller. It's mm-hmm. not coming from Amazon. I've ordered um, uh, pontoon carpet. I had my boat all tore apart, and I'm gluing it down. I'm getting it all done. Now the end of the roll is all shredded, so I'm full of glue trying to get this off. <laughs> now i got to try to set it back to them. It's just... It's yeah. just not working. That, that was a nightmare. Another thing is, when I proceed to checkout, I make sure that it says quantity one. They send me two quantities of each. Um, I had to order a door actua- uh, actuator for a Ford Explorer. Mm-hmm. They sent me two. But I only have one driver's side door that needed it. <laughs> right. Now I have to set back, waste my time, go to you know, right. say Coles or whatever. Yeah. But it, it's my time. Does that happen a lot? Do you, I mean, do you, do you have that a problem? Lot, okay. Lot. All right. No, thanks. Okay. Then that's, and maybe that's the nature of the stuff that, that, that people order. Like I said, again, I'm trying to think of, I cannot remember the last time with the exception of some clothing is a little bit iffy. You know, sometimes I, I've, I've ordered clothing from there and it, it just, it, it, you know, it, okay, I, I wear extra large shirts. So if you order like a, a shirt and, and I know that, that that works for Tommy Bahama and I know it works for my Land's End stuff, but there's some other times you'll order it and it, it's cut, it just doesn't fit right. So occasionally with clothing, I'll, I'll end up having to send the stuff back. But even then, I think they, they make it, at least my experience has been they make it pretty darn easy to do it because you can, you know, you know any, right, you can go to Coles, but also any like UPS Dropbox or something like that. Let's talk to, let's see, Ron. Ron, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, sir. Yeah. My, I'm pretty happy with Amazon until about three weeks ago. They um, changed their music, prime music. And uh, for about eight years, I've been downloading songs, probably 1,500 songs. I had them organized into playlists, and I could play them offline whenever I want. Right. Well, one, and occasionally a song would gray out, and you'd find out that it went to the ultimate premium one, and you'd have to pay $10 a month for it. So I would just forget about that song. Right. 
Well, about three weeks ago, with no explanation, I wake up and 99% of my songs are grayed out, except the ones if I actually bought a CD like the Allman Brothers, then oh. I still had it on there. Oh, okay. So I called them. I wasted two hours on the phone with their dumb voice prompt system. <laughs> then you get somebody in Pakistan that doesn't understand what you're talking about, and I don't understand what they're talking about. And then I called them back the next day and like, yeah, we know this is a problem. But then they sent me an email. I don't know if they sent it to everybody or just me because I complained. And I'm, like, going through all the uh, small print, and I realized this isn't a mistake. They no. did it on purpose. They right. made it into, like, a Spotify thing where you, if, let's say I play Tom Petty, The Heartbreakers, it plays Free Fall, and it says this is a similar song, and then it'll start playing other rock and roll songs. But it's not playing what I want. Right, and if and you, I, I assume that if you... What if, I want, if you, I assume if you what you want you you have to you have to pay more. Is that how it works out? You have to like sign up for the their yeah, advanced service. Yeah, you got to pay ten dollars a month. Yeah, got it. So I think going to do that. So I went back to the way I used to do it, which is I'm buying CDs, putting them on my computer, and downloading them onto an MP3 player, and then nobody can take this music away from me except that I'm 66, so I got to <laughs> make sure I don't lose the MP3 player. Yeah, yeah no, th Ron, thanks. No, I I know exactly what you mean. I went through that with um, iTunes, the, the same the same sort of thing, you know. And I used to, I, I mean, I I take my CDs and I I burn them into iTunes, and now it, it's it's now very very difficult to take that whole music library and to transfer it. So I've got I, I've got that 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 full library i've got it on like one or two devices and got to make sure that those devices don't go bad on me or whatever or, or somewhere along the line we'll lose it in in general though and look and I, I understand that you can always have sort of bad experiences in general though my experience with amazon with amazon has been has been positive um with and and I, I don't know that the I don't know that the rate of dissatisfaction is any greater than with like stuff that you bought in the stores and then you come back and it's and it's not quite right once you get it home and things like that. So I mean I think Amazon is still a pretty good deal and I, I appreciate what our first caller is saying too is a lot of the stuff is coming from third party sellers and you have to be mindful of that. But as I said a couple of weeks ago when we talked about a different Amazon related topic, I swear I don't understand how they do it. I mean I was I was telling the story I. Um, it was a book, uh, The Paper Chase. You know, they made it into a movie. The guy that wrote the book, uh, his name is John Jay, he passed away a couple weeks ago. And I was thinking, you know, I, I haven't, I, I, if I read the book, I, I like the movie, I like the TV show, you know, I went to law school and stuff like that. And I thought, I, I you know, I, if I read the book, I don't remember it. Here, I'd, I'd like to order this. Okay, well, this is a book that came out like in 1971 or something, and I'm like, all right, I, I could I could drive to a book and mortar uh, bookstore, but the chances of them having this 50 year old book is probably slim to none, and slim is on a bus out of town. And so I I go to Amazon and I say, okay, this is what I want. I want the paper chase, and they've got a paperback book for like 12 bucks or whatever. And if I order, you know, in the next 45 minutes, they're going to have it at my house later on that day. And I'm just thinking, I, I just I, I still, I would love to take one of those tours of the Amazon fulfillment centers because I just don't understand how they do it. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. I get that you've got like warehouses that are like football fields and football fields, but I still just don't understand how you have an obscure, a relatively obscure book from 50 years ago and they've got it on hand. So some guy in Milwaukee, Wisconsin orders it 
and and there it, you know it pops up at your house a few hours later i just it, it is amazing how that business model works and i just i kind of shake my head and go wow they whatever they found you know whatever their their marketing magic is they found it and it is going to be a struggle i think for brick and mortar people moving forward because while there will always be people who like to shop and like to browse and look around for things at the same time for me, like I say, I'm not a shopper, I'm a buyer. And if you make it easy for me to buy what I want to buy when I want to buy it, um, you're, you're going to get my money. Back with lots more in just a couple of minutes. And by the way, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And I really do appreciate you spending Black Friday with me. I'm here till 3 o'clock. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Now, Eric Bilstead, I was saying earlier, one of the, like, really kind of interesting things about today is with our new move down to the avenue, this is, of course, it's a company holiday. And literally, there is nobody in, there's, there's nobody upstairs in our huge upstairs area. There is nobody down here in the radio. St- we're the only ones, ESPN and I think the truth, they're, doing whatever they're doing, but there's not people here doing it. It's you and me, and it's Charlie, and that's it. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> and and what's, what's so freaky about this is when we had our place at Capitol Drive where we, you know, w- regardless of whether we shared a corporate identity with Channel 4 or not, but there, there were always people in the TV thing. So you come in and you yeah. work these days, and there'd always be people around. This is, it's just the three of us. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, I look out the window at our food court. I'm glad to see there's people out there, you know. <laughs> so we're not alone in the entire building. We are not alone in the entire building, but so it, it's... It's the three of us. We are together, but we are also also going to be together on Monday night as uh, well. The big holiday radio show, Monday night. It is. And, and um, tickets are still on sale. Mm-hmm. We've yeah. had a, a huge rush on the tickets, which is very, very good. But you, you still you still have time. This year, we're doing it at the Grand Ballroom in the Fister Hotel. The tickets are 30 bucks, and included in that 30 bucks is parking. So I know that's always been an issue sometimes. Where am I going to park, or is it going to cost me $25 to park? No, that, that's included. The parking is in the Fister yep. Parking Garage, yep. so you don't have to worry about you know that. You just pull into the parking garage, park your car, and then just come on over to the Grand Ballroom. But um, it, it's you, and I want to give you some props, because you and Greg Matzik were responsible for doing the, I think, the, the principal part of, of constructing the script. <laughs> Somehow building some type of show, yes. Right, exactly. <laughs> and we did the live table read on Monday night, and I thought it was clever and it was funny. Matter of fact, oh, my... Good. Um, and, and this year, I guess if you hang around long enough, it just, it, it's your turn in the barrel. I, I probably have, the, I definitely have the most lines. I'm the narrator in the WTMJ players, the, the Christmas tale. So have you been practicing your lines? Well, about? actually what I have done is I, I've started, we did the table read and then there's all sorts of spots where you can improvise or, mm-hmm. and so sure. my, I, I have some ideas. I did a little bit of it yesterday, but tomorrow morning, this is. I'm going to sit down with a cup of coffee and a Danish or something, and I'm going to just actually All spend right. an hour or so just kind of up, updating my part and stuff. Sure. That's that's the mission for tomorrow morning. But uh, I guess the the important thing to say is the tickets still are on sale. It's if you have been to this, I believe this is the sixth one we've done. I think I, that that sounds right. That I think it's right. the sixth, and, and actually this is um, again we call it a WTMJ Christmas. Tale. The first two years, one year we did It's a Wonderful Life, our take on that. Another year we did our version of The Christmas Carol. I mm-hmm. forget which one came first. Yep. And then the last couple of years, they've been completely like new. This one dovetails on a, a very 
popular um, Christmas movie. You know, we we don't want to <laughs> yes. run into copyright issues or things <laughs> like that. But it, it it dovetails on that. But it's a really really clever script. And I have no doubt that it's going to be even funnier when we show up. But people who, who've showed up, we have a lot of folks who come year after year and just love it. Yeah, you recognize some faces. And then there's always a couple of new folks that come in. It's always just kind of neat to, to meet the people that you rely on every day. I mean, we rely on, on the listeners every day, and I know they, they listen to you every day. So it's just kind of cool to see that mixed together. Right, and, and I, I just love it. I mean, so the, the way it's going to work, it's at the Fister. It's in the Grand Ballroom. The doors open at 530 the show starts at, at 6.30, and I encourage people to get there early because one of the things I like to do is come out from behind wherever we are and, and actually interact. And my wife, Fran, who is the better of the Wagner, you know, <laughs> there, there's, there's no question about that. You know, you get a chance to meet her as well. The show starts promptly at 6.30, and we'll have you out of there by 8 o'clock. Yeah, I was so, going to say, it's not a late night. Right. This is so if, if you've got to work the next day or, you know, whatever, the weather looks like it's going to be real good. So we want to encourage people to come. and. And by the way, a portion of the ticket sales benefit Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Toy Drive. So this is the WTMJ Holiday Radio Show. This is the sixth year we've done it. I think everybody that, that comes, I mean, I know some people might like one show better than the other, and that, that's good, but it's a fun time. Sure, it's right. just a fun time. Um, they do have a bar. <laughs> that always helps. So, yeah, get there early. <laughs> yeah, right, because the more you drink, the funnier we are. There's no question about it. I'm glad it. you mentioned the Kids to Kids thing, no, because that's that's why we're doing it. I mean, we're doing it to raise money for Capco Kids to Kids Christmas. So it, for, for any other reason, you right. know, other than just to see, of course, Mr. Wagner up close and personal, you can you, you know that you're donating money to a good cause. Right. It's presented by Capco's Metal, by Capco Metal Stamping, Drake & Associates, Dave Drake Camp Heating, and Gruber Law Offices. So, all right. You're, you're thinking, oh, that sounds like maybe something fun to do on Monday night. So how do you get tickets? Well, it couldn't be easier. Just go over to your computer, go to WTMJ.com, and what you'll see is this big banner across the start of the website, and it just says WTMJ's Kids to Kids Christmas. Click on it, fill in the information, and you, we, we'll, I think they, they email you the ticket, I think is how that, that mm-hmm. all works yeah. out. And so you can join Eric and myself and the WTMJ players. We also, if you haven't been to this before, there are always a, a number of special guests That's um, that just right. kind of kind of pop up at, at different parts. And, and this year is no different than that. So tickets are still available. We, we've got a big space. It is filling up. And we want to encourage, matter of fact, a couple friends of mine just said the other day, said, that sounds like fun. We're, we're going to go. We're going to make a party of it. So it's come a, on down. You know, great. bring it down. The portion of the proceeds go to a great cause. So Monday night, uh, the WTMJ Holiday Radio Show. We hope to see everybody there. Eric Bilstadt, you've got a role, too, in there. Yep, I'm yep. in there. I'm you're, in there. You're I'm, in there. I'm looking forward to, to seeing you take that mic. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're the guy this year. Yeah, so that's it's it. Cool. I, I, am, I am the narrator, right? And so there's a, there's a lot of stuff bubbling around. And then maybe tomorrow morning, maybe instead of sitting down with Danish and coffee, maybe it should be Irish coffee or something <laughs> like that. Maybe that will in, inspire the creative whatever juices even more. Whatever your muse needs to be. <laughs> whatever, whatever the muse <laughs> needs to be. I like that. <laughs> so then, then, right, okay, so then, then you can show up and then you can evaluate you know how how was that muse you know was, was it you know was it black coffee or was it irish coffee where did that come from okay so check it out wtmj.com and we hope to see you monday night for the wtmj holiday radio show we do it every year and this year like i say i think if you, if you show up you're not going to be disappointed all right let's take a quick break when we come back so what do we do with all the dough stick around A couple people texting, yes, go to WTMJ.com. You can't miss it. Big banner, holiday radio show. Click on it. 
Um, tickets are $30 a piece. And that I, I can't emphasize enough, that includes parking. The parking is in the Fister parking garage that's attached. So you, you don't have to worry about, gee, if I'm, if I'm going to drive down there, where am I going to park? How much is that going to cost? Nope. It's included in the price of your ticket. You just pull into the parking garage and go jump in the elevator and just the grand, I think the grand ballroom's on the fourth floor, wherever it is that they, they've got it marked there. And we hope to see a lot of people there on Monday night. Weather looks good. Should be a lot of fun. All right. Substantive discussion. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the WTMJ talk and text line. We in Wisconsin have been overtaxed. Now, now you, you, you might say, oh, this is, what, what do you mean it's been overtaxed? No, 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 we, we, need, to, we need to pay more in tax money. No, no, Here, here's the deal. We have a record high budget surplus. The projection is, so, I mean, it, it's, it's like anything. You sit down, you make a budget. This is, and when it comes to government, you know, I think it is reasonable for government to say, okay, this is what we want to spend money on, and now let's set our tax rates and let's bring in taxes to cover our expenses, right? I mean, I think that that's fair. The issue becomes, though, what happens when the expenses are below the amount of revenue? Well, it, it means that you have been, by definition, overtaxed. Wisconsin has a record high budget surplus. It is projected to hit 6.6 B as in billion dollars for the next fiscal year. So in other words, Wisconsin taxpayers have paid 6.6 billion dollars more in taxes than the state needs for its budget. Okay? <laughs> that's, that's almost like, like mind boggling. Now, two things. That, of course, on the one hand, it's good news. Because we, we have all this, this extra money that's there. On the other hand, I mean, it's bad news because it means we have all this extra money there. And where did the money came, come from? It came from you and me and everybody else that is paying state taxes. And by, by the way, this does not include the rainy day fund. The state of Wisconsin always has money that they put aside in, and I, I've always thought that this makes sense for, you know, the, the, the problem. You have a catastrophe that comes up or something, and so it's like, okay, we need some extra money because we've got an unexpected expense. There is almost two B as in billion dollars sitting in the rainy day fund. So you've got the $1.7 billion, actually is how much it is, $1.7 billion in the rainy day fund. You've got all the money that we paid in to cover the budget, and now you've got an extra 6.6 B as in billion dollars sitting around. And the argument is going to be, what do we do with this money? Now, Tony Evers just reelected as governor. Tony wants to take that and he wants to spend it. You know, he wants to say, okay, we've got this money that's around here, so let's take, I don't know, let's take a billion dollars and let's, and that's just the number I'm pulling out of the air, let's take this and let's put it in, let's let's spend it on, on the schools, or let's spend it on this, or let's spend it on that, because we've got all this money that's there. And by the way, there are some projections that say if tax revenues continue at the rate they're at, that, that $6.6 B is in billion is going to grow to $8 billion by the, perhaps by the end of of the next fiscal year. The flip side of this is that, well, okay, you you could have the government spend it. On the other hand, 
this is this is money that was taken from the taxpayers at levels higher than it should have been. I mean, we, we've generated more money than we need to generate the budget. So the flip side becomes, instead of just simply saying, this is government, now government has this extra money that's sitting in a pot, let's spend it, the flip side would be, well, maybe we should give this back to the people who paid it. And then the question becomes, if you're going to give it back to the people who paid it, do you do it in, here, we're going to have a, you know, we're we're going to give you a $1,000 tax rebate or whatever that number might be, or do you say, you know, maybe, maybe what we need to do is look at long term, how do we lower tax rates to not only make sure that this money goes back to the people who paid it, the taxpayers, but also so that we don't, in the future, continue to overtax our residents. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the WTMJ talk and text line. Look, here, here's here, here's my option. I understand that some of this surplus is going to get spent on pen, pet projects that either the governor has or maybe the legislature have. But the vast majority of this money... I think needs to go back to the people who paid it. That is the taxpayers. And rather than just like a one-time sort of here's some money back, what I think it needs to do is go back to us taxpayers in the form of long-term tax relief, whether it is lowering the tax rate or changing the way we do taxes, etc. But there's no way that we taxpayers should be spending and contributing 6.6 billion billion dollars to the government over and above what the government needed to operate. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. What should we do with the dough? What do you think? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. My producer Charlie, who is from that state to the south, said, "You know, one of the good things it's it's interesting to be in a state where the state's not broke. So that's not not only are we not broke, we have more money than we're supposed to have. We have overtaxed the residents of the state of Wisconsin. We have six point six b as in billion dollars sitting around, and and that number is growing. We are paying taxes at a higher rate." then the budget says we need to pay taxes. And that includes the another like almost $2 billion that's sitting in a rainy day fund. So the question becomes, what do you do with it? Tony Evers wants to spend it. And and look, I understand that there's different things that you can find. Hey, let's, let's take a billion dollars and let's put it into the roads. Let's take a billion dollars and let's put it into, you know, the schools or whatever on, on the assumption that that's going to make, for example, the schools better, which I think is a, an, an arguable point. My point is, I understand that there's going to be some spending on that. I get it. But at the same time, I believe that the purpose of taxes isn't to build up like a huge surplus that you can then use as a giant slush fund for what a particular politician or politicians think it should be used for. I I think in general, if you take more money than you need, you have an obligation to return it to the people who paid it, the taxpayers. Now, I'm not naive. I understand I understand that there's going to be money that's going to be put towards the schools. I understand that there probably should be money that are put towards the, the roads, for example. But I think the bulk of this money needs to go back to the people who paid it. And I think it needs to go back in the form of not just, here, we're going to give everybody $500 or $1,000. It needs to go back in the form of, long-term tax relief, 
whether that's lowering the tax rate, whether that's exploring the idea of a flat tax. I, I don't know how it's going to work, but we're, we're taking more money than we need from people, and that's that's not right when it comes from government. Government is not supposed to be a for-profit operation. Let's talk to Austin. Austin, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, we need to take a look at this money and look at long-term efforts that we can do to alleviate the tax burden on the average citizen. Uh, From my experience with government spending, um, in my opinion, when you start to utilize excess money for other projects, there is a sustainment tail along the way that just Mm – increases the debt right it's just you're just going to have to put more and more money into these pet projects yep so i think it's the best bet take this money figure out how we can you know eliminate the tax burden on you know uh right. you know the local taxpayer and just be done with it right no, no thanks no and i agree and then look at this long term and say okay what how did we what did we do wrong here and and by wrong i mean what did we do why why did we set tax rates at a rate that's, that's so much larger? Why are we bringing in so much more money than we end up needing? Look, and again, I understand the reality is some of this money is going to go to pet projects, and that's okay. But the bulk of it, in my opinion, needs to go to long-term tax relief, lowering the tax rates, and then figuring out moving forward what can we do to make sure, again, the state's in solid financial positions. We, we get the money that we need to over, you know, to cover the budgetary expenses at the same time. But like I say, state government should not be a for-profit thing. It's not like, hey, we're trying to see how much profit we can make from the taxpayers. That's not what it's all about. So, Eric, we're talking about what we do with all this, this extra money, this yeah. $6.6 mm-hmm. billion. One of our texters says, Okay, Illinois broke, loan it to Illinois, and then when they default on the loan, we can take Illinois. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like who wants your car? Do you want your car? I mean, what, what do you do? Do you, do, you, do you want? I mean, do you, there is a reason why, you know, Illinois is broke. I mean, do, yeah. do we want to, do we want to assume yeah, that sort of problem? Know, know. Maybe let them just have themselves. Then, yeah, I, I think, you know, if, if you want to invest it, I can maybe think of some other way. If we're going to loan it to people, I think maybe we could come up with some other loans. When we come back, Okay, I know we're all curious, but is it right? I will explain. We will discuss. So very glad to have you with us. Okay, let's. I understand it's the Friday after Thanksgiving. It's Black Friday. I understand in some cases, you know, people are just kind of, are are not working, you're kind of relaxing, you know, you don't want to get too worked up over different political issues and stuff. But one one topic that I'm intrigued by, and, and hear me out on this, the Supreme Court earlier this week announced that they were not going to intervene um, for the last several years. Congress, controlled by Democrats, the House of Representatives, has been trying to get a hold of the tax returns for former President Donald Trump. And Donald Trump has been fighting turning over his, his tax returns. Donald Trump, when he first got elected, remember, he promised, hey, I, I'm going to make them public. And then he, he came up with this sort of BS thing. Well, I, I'm, but I'm not going to make them public um, until I'm, I'm done with being audited. Well, there's nothing about being audited that you're I, my guess is Trump is constantly being audited. There's nothing that, that says just because you're under audit, you, you can't make your returns public. And every president 
going back to Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon was the last president who did not make his tax returns public. So, you know, Trump has decided he didn't want to make his tax returns public. Now, we don't know why that is. There, There's no evidence of criminality because if there was evidence, my guess is Trump gets the heck out investigated out of him. If there was evidence that there was something criminal that was going on, you know, you, you know the IRS would have made a referral to the Department of Justice, there'd be a special prosecutor, there'd be an investigation. So there's no evidence of criminality. But nevertheless, Trump doesn't want to turn over his tax returns. Now, there, there, there may be many reasons for this. Maybe it's because he, they're going to show that he doesn't have as much money as he's claimed to have had. Maybe it's because he's been taking all sorts of legal deductions, but it makes him look bad because he's not paying his quote-unquote fair share of taxes. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a privacy thing that he's got. He's built up this image, this but and this mystique, and and he doesn't want to go back on it. So you know. I, but, but let us assume that there's no criminality that is involved, because like I say, if there's any criminality involved, my guess is you know the IRS would have been all over this. But so Trump doesn't want to turn over his tax returns. Congress, controlled right now, the House of Representatives by Democrats, wants, wants the tax returns. And let us be honest, as soon as those tax returns get turned over, my guess is within about 60 seconds, they are going to be illegally leaked to the media. Matter of fact, there was a story about how all the late night comedians are already salivating over the chance that, hey, we're, we're going to see Trump's tax returns. And, and you know that there's going to be all sorts of material in this. So even though tax returns are confidential and are not supposed to be made public, you know darn well, like I say, within two minutes of those ending up in some Democrat legislators' you know, hands, you know that they are going to find their way into the popular press. Now, here's the way the law works. There is a 1924 law that allows certain congressional committees to obtain tax returns from the Treasury Department, um, and the Treasury Department oversees the IRS. The law says the Treasury Secretary shall furnish the records requested by the House Ways and Means Committee, the Senate Committee on Joint Finance, and the Joint Committee on Taxation. Um, the committee can obtain the records as long as they seek them with what they claim is a legitimate committee purpose. So the Ways and Means Committee requested six years of Trump's personal and business tax returns. They claimed that they wanted to look into Trump's financial dealings and potential ties with foreign governments. This is, of course, while Trump was president. Trump has not been president for the last two years. He has been fighting this. He's now lost in the courts, and the Supreme Court has refused to intervene. So sometime over the course of the next couple weeks, uh, the, the Treasury Secretary is going to turn over those records to the Democratic-controlled House Committee. Now, this is interesting with the timing because, you know, once new Congress is sworn in in January, the Republicans will control that. And my guess is if the tax returns hadn't been turned over by then, my guess is that subpoena would have been withdrawn. But this is the timing. Trump has been ordered to turn over his records. And again, my sense is that as soon as these records come in, in an effort to embarrass him, somebody will leak them to, to the press. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the WTMJ talk and text line. Should Trump have to turn over his records? Should Trump have to turn over the tax records? I mean, is is there really, at this point in time, is there still a legitimate basis for this? Or is this, hey, we, 
we, we want to keep Trump in the news. We want to embarrass him. We want to make these things public. And if if they are turned over, and then if I am correct, and believe me, I'm going to be correct on this one, within a matter of moments after being turned over, if they are leaked to to the press, um, is that a cause for concern? Is Trump being treated fairly? And I understand the law says Congress can go get these, and they have the right to do it. But is there really a legitimate purpose for this, or is this just an effort to try to embarrass Trump. Now, maybe we don't care about that. Maybe, you know, with everything that Trump has done, well, who, who cares? Who cares about this? But if this was your tax returns, for example, and I understand you're not the president of the United States, but if you suddenly, for whatever reason, found out that the House Ways and Means Committee wanted to subpoena, obtain your records from the Treasury, and they can do that, and then somehow you, you find them printed on the front page of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, this is how much so-and-so made, this is what your reportings are, would you figure, feel that that would be fair? Our number, 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the WTMJ talk and text line. See, I wish, if if we were going to deal with this, I, I wish Congress would be up front and just say, all right, we, we, as a condition of becoming elected president of the United States, we're going to pass a law that says that, the, the president of the United States has to disclose his tax returns if, if that's what they want. I am really afraid about this of this law being being weaponized. Uh, the idea is, OK, you know, in this case, Donald Trump decided not to turn over his tax returns. But, you know, that's there's no law that requires him to do it. So now the House Ways and Means Committee, controlled by Democrats, they, they want to see him. And the pretext is, well, you know, we want to see if there's financial dealings and things like this. Well, I mean, if there's criminal stuff, trust me, the IRS would have been all over this. So what it seems to me is this is it's sort of a I don't I'm not going to use the phrase witch hunt, but it's kind of a let let's let's see what is out there. And even though it is illegal to release these tax returns, feel free to disagree with me. But again, the, the minute these tax returns are disclosed, and that's going to be sometime next week probably, my guess is they're going to be immediately in the hands of sympathetic reporters from MSNBC or CNN or, or whatever. So it, do you, does anybody feel sorry for Trump? No, not necessarily. But it just bothers me that you have this procedure that's set up, and, and this could happen to anybody. You know, you could have anybody who, under the law, this committee decides, okay, we want to see their tax returns, and then that could be made public. And maybe we just need to have a law then that says that everybody's tax returns should be subject to public scrutiny. Let's talk to uh, Rome in Oak Creek. Hi, Rome. You're on WTMJ. Yeah, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I think that for the, for the average layperson, there's a confusion uh, because uh, I have, a lot of people are, tend to believe that uh, anyone running for uh, president should uh, disclose those things. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people thought that was the law already. But if it's not the law, then it's a moot point. However, I think that uh, as American people, we need to know uh, what's going on with his finances because he ran for office based on the fact that he was such a great businessman. And I'd like to see his tax returns just so I can get some understanding of as to how can you lose millions and millions of dollars in a casino and, and declare bankruptcy. And, uh, you know, and I'm trying to figure out how can you be declared a great businessman if you declare, you know, bankruptcy so many times. Okay, do you agree with my premise? Now, theoretically, though, Rome, you're, you're not supposed to be able to see these tax returns. It's illegal 
that the committee can obtain them, but beyond that, it's it's illegal for most purposes to disclose them. Do you agree with me, though, that, that the minute these are turned over, within a day or so, we're all going to see all those things? I believe that if it's illegal, whoever discloses those things should be prosecuted. I do believe that. Yeah. And I also believe that, yes, they will come to light because uh, the American people have waited so long to get this information. All the other presidents had no problem disclosing their tax yep. returns. And there are some American people that want to know this. So do you I'm think sure we should have the law? Do you be, think do you think the law we should we, we, we should just avoid this in the future? And that Congress should pass a law saying that if you are elected president of the United States, you must make your tax returns for the last six years or 10 I years or whatever public. Yes, I totally agree with you. And again, if this is not the law, then it's a moot point. Keep it moving. Don't you know? Don't disclose them. And and uh, Congress, you know, then uh, the, I'm sure the Supreme Court wouldn't have ruled the way that they did. Right. But the fact of the matter is, for some odd reason, the Supreme Court agreed that yes, they should be released. And again, you know, as just an American citizen, I like to know what's going on with the finances of the people that run our country. But how far would you extend? I'm just curious. As long as we're talking, how how far you would you extend that? Would you say that every one of the 100 U.S. senators should be required to to make their tax returns public. Required, not you know, a lot yes. of them do. Yes, I do. Okay, how about yes, Congress? Because, 435 yes, do members because of Congress. Congress. Yes, because so many of the Congress people are cheating the system with the investments they're making and the first-hand information that they're getting in reference to the stock market. Okay, how so, about governor? Know, I mean, everyone. Should, how about governor? Governor, yes. State yes. Senate. State Senate, Senate, you know, State it's, Senate? It's a leadership position that's making uh, budgetary decisions, that's making national uh, decisions that are based on our safety and our national security. They need to be scrutinized. Okay, thanks for the call. Now, I, I mean, I, 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 I appreciate that. Now, at some point in time, I guess that the, the question becomes, are you going to get people to, to run? Okay, you're, you're going to run for state senator. You're going to run for assembly. But the deal is, you know, you have to, you have to disclose your, your tax returns. And, I mean, you can always come up with, a, again, this theory, well, you know, we should see if people have any sort of conflicts of interest or, or whatever. But at the same time, for everybody who's elected to state assembly, do you really think that, you know, the public has a right to see, you know, their tax returns over the course of the last, you know, several years? I, I you know, I, I think it, it makes sense to be consistent about that if you're going to do it. But I, I, here, here's the problem I have. And, and again, if, if you're a regular listener to this program, you know that I want Donald Trump to go away. I, I do. And it almost pains me to have this kind of conversation, except that I think he is being treated unfairly because I do believe this is about politics more than anything else. And I mean, he, he's not the president anymore. Now, I understand he wants to be the president moving forward. And if, if there's embarrassing stuff in these tax returns that make it more difficult for him to be the Republican nominee, well, I, I just I hope he's not the Republican nominee in 2024. So I guess on the one hand, that that's good. At the same time, though, it just it just bothers me that you can have politicians, in this case, it's the Ways and Means Committee, that can say, all right, we've got this 1924 law, and we're going to use this to obtain people's tax records, and we're going to come up with this, well, we, you know, we want to see if there's a conflict of interest. You can make that argument about any person. 
that's out there. And I guess maybe the more fundamental question is, should tax returns be private in the first place? I mean, should, is that in general, I think, you know, we've taken the position that, you know, how much money people make, it's, it's nobody's business and how many deductions you have, that's nobody's business unless, you know, you get charged with a crime. If you're committing tax fraud or you're underreporting your taxes, well, then it becomes public when you get charged. But otherwise, short of that, should that stuff be made public? Now, this is an academic conversation because, like I say, I think the Treasury Department is going to turn them over to the Ways and Means Committee next week. And maybe I'm going to be wrong, but my guess is whatever gets turned over to the Ways and Means, House Ways and Means Committee next week, my guess it's going to be on MSNBC and CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post and all sorts of other sources well, about as quickly as it takes to take those documents, turn around and email them out. Or Jeff Wagner, right after this. Every hour. All side dishes set. Hopefully they're packed up tight, ready to go. All you got to do is get there now. This is the holiday travel season. Every day. About 55 million Americans are headed out this holiday by car, rail, or air. The good news, the weather should be all right. The news doesn't stop, and neither do we. The increase in expected travelers is in spite of the gas price fluctuations. It has been a welcome trend to see these prices come down over the last week or so. But either way, it doesn't seem to be deterring anybody. News Radio WTM. I think this whole thing with the Trump tax returns, I think a lot of people just don't understand the way the system works. And let me go back to my days as a federal prosecutor. And I handled at least a handful of tax fraud cases. What happens is the Internal Revenue Service, they have a whole army of investigators that identifies different tax returns. And you know, a lot of times it's resolved civilly. People underpay their taxes or whatever. But sometimes they believe that there's there's criminal involvement. And then what they do is they investigate the heck out of it, and then they refer it to, in this case, a U.S. attorney's office where, you know, a federal prosecutor takes takes a look at that and decides whether or not there is a provable case. And there's, you know, there, there's all sorts of policies. They try to be consistent across the country. Okay, so my point is, if, if Donald Trump has committed tax fraud, right, that, that's that's for the IRS to decide, refer it to the Department of Justice, and, and then, then you go from that. This is not about this request for his tax returns by the House Ways and Means Committee. This isn't about has he committed tax fraud. I mean, because, again, that's something that the IRS would determine. This is we want to see them because, you know, we want to see whether or not there was any sort of financial dealings. And we and and let's let's with, with foreign governments or whatever. We're on kind of this fishing expedition to see what might be out there. And that's. That's what troubles me about this. And so somebody says, well, white-collar crime doesn't bother you. You know, it's nothing to do with white-collar crime. If the IRS believes he's committed fraud, go after him. I don't have a problem with that at all. But I don't think that that's the case here. What's going on here is this has been, we want to embarrass Donald Trump. We want to find out what's in these tax returns. And Trump could have short-circuited this by making them them public. And obviously, there's going to be stuff that I think maybe he's, hasn't paid as much as people, you know, would think he would pay if he was as rich as he is. Maybe he's not as wealthy as he's made out. But that's a far cry from tax fraud. And that's the concern that I have. All right. When we come back, Christmas toys, movies, and, of course, it's that time of the week, Pop Culture Corner. All that is coming up. Do not go anywhere. The Wagner Show resumes right after the news. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. 
It's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So, in other words, Eric Bilstadt for the radio, our holiday radio show, for which tickets are still available. Yes. WTMJ.com. 30 bucks portion goes to Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas, mm-hmm. and also your parking at the Fister Hotel is included in that. Doors open at 5.30. Show starts at 6.30. You'll be out by 8 o'clock. You will have a lot of fun. And um, your weather report says weather's going to be good for Monday night. Should be okay. Should be For Monday, it should be a perfect day to go downtown and see the show. And Absolutely. So see that's, Wagner up front and center there in the right. center of the stage. Yeah, that would, that, would be, that would be it. You know, working off a script that you and Greg, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that you and Greg Matzik yeah, drafted. Yeah. And then that I will punch up tomorrow morning, you know, at least my, my part and stuff. So we'll, we'll see. But it's always a lot of fun. Is it true and, you want to sing a couple of songs as well? Is that what I heard you asking <laughs> No, that, that that would that would not have been me. No, the everybody's got to know their limitations, and no, I, that's that that's not it. My wife says you you actually have a pretty good singing voice. I said no, I think that's I think that I don't I don't necessarily think that. So no, no, I I, I won't be doing that. That's the deal because we also want people to come to the show and stuff. So doors open at five thirty. Some tickets still remain. We're in the grand ballroom at the Fister, which is a big facility. We have a bar there, so mm, you know you true. can come down and enjoy that. They also typically I I mean in years past they've done stuff like a 50-50 raffle and things like that. And that is the hope, too. They expect that to happen this time, too. Again, raising money for Capco Kids to Kids, so there'll be a representative from Capco there. Hoping we can do a 50-50 as well and make some more money. Outstanding. So um, the show is Monday night. It is at the Fister Hotel, their grand ballroom, which is a wonderful facility. Again, we can't stress this enough because I know sometimes when we do these things downtown, people are like, well, you know, do I, you know, where am I going to park, etc. Okay, you're, you're, it's in the Fister attached parking garage. It is undercover and it is included in the price of your ticket. So do not let that discourage you from coming yeah, down. And absolutely. we want to see everybody out there. And you can judge my performance as a narrator and also um, Mr. Bilstadt's writing skills. <laughs> yeah, you're throwing me under the bus already. <laughs> no, I, I, I've said earlier, I thought we did the table read on Monday. I thought it was clever. I thought it was cute. So no, Very I'm good. not. If, if, that's, if that's throwing you under the bus, for goodness sakes, you know. You've got to put me out there just in case. There we go. Right, right. right. But if it, yeah, if it is awful, well, we know who to blame, but it's not awful. So again, go to WTMJ.com. You see this big banner headline that says WTMJ Christmas Show. You just click on that go from there and you will get your tickets all right one more hour of the program and then uh, we have a special there's no wisconsin's afternoon news today we have a special replay of some of our very best wtmj conversations and that'll take you up to our pregame coverage with the bucks and the cavaliers um, which should be a really good game because the cavaliers the bucks are in the eastern conference they are in second place i think a game and a half behind the boston celtics and the cavaliers are half a game behind the bucks so uh, the Cavaliers, good team this year, hit a little bit of a rough patch, um, but um, hit a little bit of, uh, of, a rough, of a rough patch. Okay, let us completely and totally switch gears. Uh, one of the things that is out there today with Black Friday is that, that people are, are out shopping and they're starting to do their Christmas story, uh, their, their Christmas investigations and things like that. They're... Christmas investigations. They're thinking back on the Trump stuff. What they're doing is they're doing the Christmas shopping. And one of the things, of course, is very, very important is they're out there doing their toy shopping. And there's been some interesting stories about like the hot toys that that are out there now for for people. And interestingly, this year, Pokemon cards are, are big again. And apparently that's 
I mean, I can remember Pokemon cards when, you know, years and years ago, that was the big thing. And now they're back. And that's one of the real hot things. There were years where like video games were the big things. And I, I understand that nowadays, the, the, because you can download so much stuff, you don't have to go to the video game store and actually buy those and things like that. But I, I thought we'd spend one segment here, since some people are out doing their holiday shopping, just kind of taking a walk down memory lane. Our number is 855-616-1620, which is the WTMJ talk and text line. I want you to think back. What's the best toy you had as a kid growing up? Your all-time favorite toy and maybe you got it under the christmas tree you know maybe it was that red rider bb gun or whatever your all-time favorite toy our number 855-616-1620 we discuss in a moment 855-616-1620 that's a wtmj talk and text line all right lots of you who are buying toys maybe for your kids maybe for your grandkids nieces nephews you name it you go out to the stores, and it's almost kind of overwhelming. I thought we'd take a quick walk down memory lane. All right, your your favorite toy as as a child, 855-616-1620. Let's start with Chris in Cedarburg. Hi, Chris. Hi, happy Thanksgiving. Same to you. Um, I love the light bright mm-hmm. where you'd have to take a piece of black construction paper, put it in the machine, then you'd poke those little plastic bulbs in there to make it, you know, make pictures. Right. Or the the creepy crawler machine where you'd melt the plastic, (laughs) actually, and you'd you'd dump it in the mold and form... I mean, it's amazing what we did as kids when we survived. Yeah, well, that that was it. Do you remember, did you ever have one of the Easy Bakes? We were talking about, like, the light brights and the light bulbs. Do you ever have one of the Easy Bake ovens? Absolutely. And, (laughs) you know... It was minuscule what you got out of it, like a like a small brownie. Right. But it's like you you were like it was just you were like a, a chef or a right. pastry chef or a baker. I mean, and it's like you know my mom would plug it in or you know we'd use the bulb and she'd go do the laundry and leave me alone with this crap <laughs> shit. And yeah. you know, fifteen oh. minutes later, I had a sort of perfect. Yeah, chocolate item. A chocolate, you know, right, a, a chocolate item, right? Like a cupcake or whatever. That's a chocolate item. That's right. the perfect way to describe it. No, thanks for the call. No, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Yeah, those, those were the those were the things. Now they 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 got they took a lot of criticism because like the easy bake ovens were traditionally like in the back when they used to have like girls and boys aisles it was like oh you put the easy bake oven in the girls aisle oh that's you know that's discriminatory and stuff like that but I I just remember all I do remember the easy bake ovens and the, the fact that you know, huh you're making a cupcake or a brownie or you're right by heating that with the light bulb eight five five six one six one six twenty Jeff for me it was shrinky dinks. Um, uh, there's, there's no question about that. Let me see. Um, I actually have two, a little tape recorder because I wanted to be a radio disc jockey, which I did become, and my erector set because I always liked to build things and became a broadcast engineer. Well, that's great. Uh, Jeff, for me, of course, it was the Barbies. I collect the old ones, um, which is now still fun. Um, Jeff, I asked for Castle Grayskull because I thought that Snake Mountain was too expensive. My parents found out that I was trying to save the money, and then they got me the more expensive Snake Mountain for Christmas. Um, 
There's no question about it. Um, the, here's the, uh, let's see, I, I will tell you, there, there were there were different Christmas gifts that I got and stuff. I used to love the old Hot Wheels cars. And, the and of course, you know, back in the day, what you would do was all gravity-based. And you'd have this, like, little plastic track that you could set up. And then you'd have the, the car at the top. And then it would go down. It would pick up speed. And it would go through and do the loop-de-loop and things like that. I used to love the Hot Wheels cars back in the day. That was always a lot of fun. I used to also – I used to like the board games as well. And – one of the things that I, I always try to do, especially when my niece and nephew were, were younger, is we'd always go out and we'd try to find some of the classic toys and the classic board games, like the, the Rock'em rock Sock'em Robots. You know, that was always one of the fun ones where you'd, you'd set that up. Or, or some of the different games that were out there, ranging from, I don't know, games like Operation, where you'd try to, like, take the, the bone out of the guy's leg or something without setting it off. We used to love those type of things and just used to love playing those games. To this day, um, my wife is a huge, you know, huge game player, and she's got all these different card games and stuff. And she and a couple of her friends will sit down. When we were in Florida a couple of weeks ago, she sat out by the pool with a couple of her friends, and they were playing this game or that game. And they could just do that for hours on end. Me, a little bit, you know, a little bit less so. 855-616-1620. That's a WTMJ talk and text line. The, the different games. And like I say, this year, you know, everything that's old is new again. The Pokemon games are very, very hot, I guess. The, the Pokemon cards and those are things like that. And then there's just, I mean, there's some of the other games that are just kind of fun. I still, I remember... This is, of course, of a different time. I remember one of the Christmas gifts my parents got me that I just absolutely loved, the lawn darts. Now, of course, nowadays you, you can't, you don't make, my producer Charlie is laughing. Yeah, that. well, this was, I, I understand that, you know, there's always the potential that you can shoot your eye out. But back in the day, yes, yes that was actually things. You'd get the lawn darts, or the, they'd call them jarts, and you'd sit there and you'd take the plastic ring and you'd throw them playing like horseshoes with that. And, and somehow, I appreciate what our last caller, Chris, was saying, somehow... We all survive. Now, you can't find lawn darts anymore. You can't find jarts anymore. I, I don't know if you have the Easy Bake Ovens and that stuff anymore. You certainly probably don't have those creepy crawler things that, that you make the diff- in the different molds and all because, I don't know, you'll, you'll burn down the house or whatever. And those are all very good. But I just, I remember those days. It was a simpler time when, yeah, you could give lawn darts and nobody thought that, I don't know, you'd have to call Child Protective Services. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. I don't want to grow up, but my Toys R Us kid. You got a million Toys R Toys R Us that she can play with? I don't want to grow up, but my Toys R Us kid. They got the basketball, you really flip your head around. You know, it, it's just amazing that, you know, Toys R Us, which was the big place that you would, would hang out. I mean, Toys R Us essentially doesn't exist anymore. I mean, they, they kind of went under, and I understand that there's an effort to kind of bring them back a little bit. But that's just another example of how stuff has changed over the years, that the trip to the big giant toy store with the aisle after aisle after aisle of toys and things like that gone. We used to, um, my, my nephew, that was, that was the, we'd take him on a shopping spree at the Toys R Us and give him a, a bunch of different choices. And it was always interesting to see the things that he passed on or took up. Rock'em sock, ro- sock'em robots. I love that. Jeff, I loved my brother's Lionel train set. For some reason, Santa only brought me dolls. Sorry, Santa, I just didn't like dolls. Hmm. Jeff, I loved, 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 loved my Mrs. Beasley doll. That was, um, what was the TV? Family Affair. 
Brian Keith. That was the that was the real popular doll back in the day. Jeff, for me, it's the Lionel O scale train. I remember as a kid, we used to have the trains, and that would you'd set it up around the Christmas tree and stuff, and that was very cool. And never knew what exactly happened to that train. Um, Jeff, for me, it was my Aurora, um, my Aurora HO race car set. I played with that into my late thirties. I still have it, and if I ever get the basement cleaned up, I will set it up again. It still works. I'm almost seventy, but to me, it is timeless. I guess I will always be a kid at heart. Yeah, see, you know, that's good. That's, you know, that's absolutely wonderful there. You know, what you want to do is you want to be a kid at heart. Jeff, for your information, uh, my all-time favorite Christmas toy was a red pedal-powered Mustang car that looked just like my dad's 1965 Mustang, only his was blue and not a convertible. Mine made me feel like a grown-up. For your information, Macy's has rebranded their toy departments this year's as Toys R Us. Yeah, well, you've got that kind of that 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 great name, and unfortunately, they just weren't able to to make a go of it. Hey, here's here is a story, which for for grownups, if you were thinking of buying this as a Christmas oh electric, I'm sorry, people are saying it's an electronic football. The board vibrated and moved a little foam football. I had one of those, and. It was, they were just like pieces of crap. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, I mean, the, the whole deal was, you know, that this, this was it. You'd, you'd have these football players that you would line up and then you would plug the thing in and you'd uh, push a little button and then everything would vibrate and the, the, the football player would kind of like bounce around and theoretically move. And sometimes the player moved in the right direction. Sometimes he moved in the wrong direction. And then the team, the other team would go and hopefully somebody would like touch the player and then he would stop. It was just, I, I mean, I spent hours and hours and hours with that thing, but it, it just never worked like it was supposed to. The other game that I like that I think they still make is a game called Basket which is where you have like the little ping pong ball and it rolls around a basketball court and you shoot. I used to, I used to love that before video games and things like that. Anyhow, uh, people are sending me, they've got uh, jarts that they still use. Yeah. And they, they don't sell those anymore, but that was good. Okay. Here, here is the deal for an adult gift. And you just wonder for, for people who did this and, and who have not become aware of this, it's like, Hey, be careful. You don't get conned. Uh, Bob Dylan, Okay, now Bob Dylan, who probably has more money than anybody could spend in a lifetime. Okay, Bob Dylan recently came out with a a new collection of essays. Okay, he's got a new book that's out, right? So Simon & Schuster, who is his publisher, announced that they had a limited number of hand-signed copies of the Bob Dylan book. 600 hands, right? That's it. It was limited to 900, 900 hand signed copies, and they were charging $600 a piece. So you could, you can buy the book and you can get Dylan's autograph. Okay. Now Dylan doesn't sign that many autographs and you know, you can argue whether or not this is God's way of telling you you have too much money or not, but, but this was the deal. 900, 900 copies of the book, each one hand-signed. So they announced this. The thing apparently sold out in just a matter of minutes. So people ordered these things, and then they they sent them all out. So everybody gets these, oh, we've got new, you know, signed autographs by Bob Dylan. This is cool. And these are, of course, hardcore Dylan fans that would want this. Well, what happened is, so people start getting these a couple days ago, and they start looking at them and saying, huh, there's something... 
there's something that doesn't seem right about this. And they start comparing them to other, like Dylan signatures, and they started complaining. This is what the internet is out there for. People are complaining. And originally, Simon and Schuster says, oh, this is, just stop complaining. You'll go away. This is, this is the deal. It's, we've got these 900 things. Well, then the more people start complaining and looking at it, it turns out it's a scam. It turns out that these are not personally autographed signatures by Bob Dylan. What these are is the auto pen. You know, for example, if you get a letter, from the president of the United States for whatever reason. And the chances are, unless it is a personal handwritten copy, chances are it's going to be a letter that's signed by an auto pen. You know, they have these automatic things to do it. Well, it turns out that what they were doing with these Dylan signatures is, yes, they signed the book, but it's not a handwritten signature by, by Bob Dylan. It's an auto pen. And they've charged, you know, people $600 a piece for this. Um, as orders began arriving last week, Dylan fans began comparing notes online, and then they all said, hey, wait, we, we, we've got Dylan signatures. These don't look right. So now apparently Simon & Schuster is issuing a public statement that isn't explaining how this happened. We were trying to scam you, but acknowledging that the signature had been rendered in a penned replica form. And they're saying that publisher would give buyers an immediate refund. So if you are one of those people one of those 900 people that spent 600 bucks a piece thinking that you were getting a hand-signed autograph by Bob Dylan. Sucker, didn't work out that way. So, you know, you, you can get a refund. Candidly, I think, I'm not sure if that was me, I'm not sure I'd be happy with getting a refund. If you advertised that this is going to be a hand-signed signature of Bob Dylan, and then it turns out that you tried to foist an auto pen signed signature on me my reaction would be wait a second i don't i don't just want my money back i you know you you attempted to defraud me i want something else now how far this goes i don't know but if you ordered this and you thought you got a hand signed personally hand signed copy by bob dylan didn't work out that way. Did you have one of those electric football games, you know, the kind where you plugged it in and it vibrated? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I love that. Well, yeah, but, it, but of course it never worked. You know, you're always trying to, like, the, the, like the guy that's supposed to be running the ball would turn around and be running yeah, the other way running, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, okay. Against the wall on the side, they're all over the place. Yeah, yeah. this was before the year of, this was before Madden and all that other stuff. It was just, it, it must explain so much because we grew up with those. Now they've got the Madden and you've got all the different things. you got the FIFA for soccer, you got the baseball, you got all that, but we had the the little thing that like buzzed and the guys would vibrate. You'd, you'd hope you'd get them going the right yes, way. Yes, maybe. All right. It is that time of the week. Pop Culture Corner presented by Palermo's Pizza coming right up. It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. And now, here is Jeff Wagner. Well. It is Pop Culture Corner time, brought to you by our friends at Palermo's Pizza. I had one of their stuffed crust pizzas the other day. It was really, really good. Um, there's no better way to celebrate the holidays than with a Palermo's Pizza. Delicious frozen pizzas made right here in Wisconsin for over 55 years. Palermo's is Wisconsin's hometown pizza, as we do during the segment. One caller, got to be a caller. We don't do this via the text. You can text me your, your participation. But if you want to win the prize, we have a Palermo's Pizza prize package. Try saying that three times fast. Uh, coupon good for a couple free Palermo's pizzas. This Palermo's Pizza pizza cutter, which is really, really cool. And some other stuff as well. That is exclusively given to one of our callers in the discretion of my producer, Charlie. I have nothing to do with it. So um, 
that, that's your chance to participate. All right, so what are we going to talk about today for Pop Culture Corner? Well, all right, it is the holidays. It's the start of the holiday season, and I understand we're getting done with Thanksgiving. People are starting to put up their Christmas decorations. People are out Christmas shopping. And one of the things that I know that is a part of everybody's family traditions around the holidays is turning on the TV and or popping in the the something into the recorder, popping in the Blu-ray disc or whatever, and watching a holiday movie on TV. So what we're going to do in honor and recognize the start of the holiday season, our number, 855-616-1620, that is the WTMJ Talk and Text Line. Okay, it is not the holidays until I have seen blank on TV. Your favorite Christmas special, your favorite Christmas movie, you know, that doesn't matter, but it's not the holidays until I've had an opportunity to see blank on TV. Could be a movie, could be a recent movie, could be a movie from a number of years ago, could be a TV special. You know, there's a lot of great ones there. 855-616-1620. That's a WTMJ talk and text line. It's not the holidays until I've had a chance to watch fill in the blank. We will be back with your calls and texts in just a moment. It's Pop Culture Corner, presented by Palermo's Pizza. This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. It is the official now start of the holiday season. I know some radio stations have been playing Christmas music for a while now. But, okay, now that Thanksgiving is past us, people are putting up their Christmas decorations and things like that. Ours went up last week. But one of the things that you, if you turn on the television, you're going to find all sorts of great holiday specials, a lot of them going back to, well, back to when, like, I was a kid or beyond. Lots of great movies. So to get us into the spirit, that's Pop Culture Corner today, presented by Palermo's Pizza. The question is, okay, it's not the holidays until I've had a chance to watch blank. Uh, Let us start, let's see, let's start with Jim in Milwaukee. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, it would be wonderful. It's a wonderful life. Jimmy Stewart, Donna, you know. Donna Reed. Um, yeah, Donna Reed, uh, every black and white version. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's no, you, you gotta be old school. No, thanks. Thanks. So there's no question about it. You gotta be old school. You know, it's a wonderful life for, for what happened with that. There was a period of time where the copyright had expired and it had gone into the public domain. And it would seem like it would, that, that, sh- that would be on like every hour during the holiday season. And, and a lot of times it was being shown on TV and it was like really lousy prints of things like P-R-I-N-T-S, prints of things like that. But it, it's, it's actually now you, you, unless you like buy the DVD or something, you, you can see it less often. Of course, with streaming, you know, you always have your chance to do that if you've got the right streaming service. But I, I love that, that, that story, the story of, you know, Clarence trying to get his wings and all. That's one. I'm. I, it's one of those movies that's timeless to the extent that I don't care how many times you've seen it. If you don't, you know, if you don't tear up a little bit at the end, there's just something flat out wrong. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's talk to Jerry in Milwaukee. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. Sisters, sisters, <laughs> quite Christmas. <laughs> uh, right, 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 with Danny Kaye and Bing Crosby, Crosby and Rosemary Clooney. Yeah, absolutely. 
It's that's another Absolutely. one. Well, you, you know, and you look at you. That's one you watch in color, and it, it I mean it really pops. That was kind of unique for its time, you know, to see like all the Christmas stuff. The story makes absolutely no sense at all, but who cares? It's still an entertaining movie. Well, I love the ending when they're honoring their. Uh, I think it was a general, right? The general, um, yep. You know, from World War II. Yeah, right. it was, it was, it's a great start and a great ending. Right. No. No. Thanks for that's a call. Interestingly, the the fourth person, what was her name, Vera Lisa, who um, she she didn't do anything after, essentially, she was a dancer, didn't do anything after White Christmas, but the other three of them, you know, really went on and did, you know, special sort of stuff. Rosemary Clooney can't go wrong. I love White Christmas, and White Christmas is one of those that uh, a day or two before Christmas, I you know, they'll, they'll, you'll find some of the stations that show it like 24-7, and I'll, I'll watch it two or three times, never, ever, ever get tired of that. Let's talk to Karen in Madison. Karen, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. My holidays don't start until I can see a pocket full of miracles. Okay, remind me. Remind me who starred in that. I'm picturing him, and I'm trying um, to. Uh, well, Betty Davis right. is uh, she like put... a pan, alcoholic panhandler, right? Um, and then Peter Falk has a great character in there as of one of. I want to say is it Glenn Ford's song? Glenn Ford. Glenn Ford. Uh, it's Glenn Ford. Yeah. He plays the star, yep. right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, and again, it's it's one of these, that's another one of these classic kind of feel-good movies that, that are out there. There's no question about it. No, thank, thanks for the call. Glenn Ford, that's who I was trying to think of. Um, okay, Jeff, it's not the holidays until I see Going My Way with Bing Crosby. Yeah, that's another one that um, just, it's it's just a great movie. It works on, you know, so, so many ways. Jeff, for Christmas... It's a Wonderful Life. Jeff, for me, it's the TV show, Frosty the Snowman. Jeff, at our house, it's not Christmas until our family watches a Christmas video my son produced. Oh, that's very, very, very cool as well. Jeff, for me, it's The Bishop's Wife. Yeah, I assume we're talking about the original, you know, Bishop's Wife with, I think, Cary Grant. They did a remake um, that's not any, that's not that great. Number of people are texting in and saying, it's not the holidays until I've seen Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation, um, just, you know, the original Vacation movie with Chevy Chase is great. The second one, European Vacation, not so much. But I think you can make a strong argument that Christmas Vacation is the best of all of them. Let's talk to, let's see, we've got uh, Pat in Sheboygan Falls. Hi, Pat, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. I'm back again. Okay, what do you think? It is not, I mean... Tim Allen and uh, no, here we go again. Okay, well, what, so what's the movie Tim you're thinking? Allen, of? Yeah, Tim Allen, right? The yes, I, I'm just having a total brain fart here. The Santa Claus is what you're thinking of with Tim Santa Allen. Claus, yes, yeah. that is it. Yes, <laughs> I mean, anything with Tim Allen, it's going to make you laugh, and it's. And it's a great movie. It it is. Well, Pat, thanks thanks for the call. You are our winner today. Thanks for the call. And and I think you were just so excited because you found out that you were going to be the winner of our Palermo's Pizza Prize package to uh Palermo's pizzas and the pizza cutter that I wish I could score one of and a bunch of other stuff as well. But yeah, Tim Allen and the Santa Claus can't go wrong with that. Okay, eight five five six one six one six twenty. We're still missing a lot of really Good movies. Now, a number of people are saying Die Hard. This is one of the classic arguments about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. To me, I don't think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Die Hard is a movie that is set over Christmas time. But for me, Christmas movies are things like 
It's a Wonderful Life. Christmas movies are things like, and again, I don't want to get too far into this controversy, but I don't think it is. Christmas movies are things like The Bishop's Wife. Christmas movies are things like Christmas Vacation. Christmas movies are things like A Christmas Story, for goodness sakes. You know, be careful or you will shoot your eye out. 855-616-1620. That's a WTMJ talk and text line. I will tell you, um, one of my favorite uh, Christmas movies is, is Miracle on 34th Street, which uh, the original, the black and white with the young Natalie Wood. I could watch that movie, and, and I do, over the holiday season. I'll watch it several times. They did a remake, and the remake's not as, as good. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to um, David in Oshkosh. David, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon, and thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, one of my favorite all-time movies is Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Right. Uh, that's the uh, Jim Henson with the Muppets. Right. The music is amazing, and it's just such a great story and so much fun and so heartwarming. So um, that's, that's no, what I no, no, when th- we decorate the tree. Oh, thanks for calling. Yeah, that goes back. That's I want to say it's 77. It, it's in, this is kind of at the time when the Muppets were starting to be re- really big Kermit the Frog this is the kind of stuff I remember Kermit the Frog does like the introduction to and Kermit the Frog was voiced by Jim Henson who the, the Jim Henson Muppets Kermit the Frog does does the uh does the, the lead into that. He does the introduction to it. But yeah, that's it. Jeff, I love Elf, full of laughs and tears. Um, also, I agree with you about Miracle on 34th Street. Um, number of people are mentioning Home Alone. Yep, there's no question about it. That's an outstanding one as well. You know, can't, can't go wrong with Home Alone. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Joan in Oak Creek. Joan, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Joan. Okay, I got things. My my movie is Polar Express, mm-hmm. and the, my TV show that I can't miss is Rudolph. Rudolph. The Red Nose. Yep. I think, I'm sorry, your cell phone's cutting out a little bit there, Joan. But yeah, Polar Express, which is one of those stop-action capture things, um... Uh, well, no, that's not technically what I guess that is. I mean, but but yes, Polar Express and then um, Rudolph. I love I, I I love those. The the one the Santa Claus is coming. Santa Claus is coming to town. Is probably my favorite of those. But you got Rudolph, um, and of course, you know, interestingly enough, nobody's mentioned uh, Charlie Brown Christmas so far. Nobody's mentioned Charlie Brown Christmas. So. You know, we have that as well. Tell you what, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with more of your calls in just a minute. It's Pop Culture Corner. We are back. Pop Culture Corner continues uh, and just in time for the holidays. My question is, you're, it's, not, it's not the holidays until I've had a chance to watch blank on television. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Mike in Sheboygan. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how are you? Um, so Thanksgiving movies, I guess holidays, but it would be trains, planes, and automobiles with John yeah. Candy and Steve Martin. You know, that's that is a movie that to me works on so many levels. You know, you got the late great John Candy and it's I mean it's funny and then you've got that, that turn and at the end where it's just so incredibly heartwarming. And I'm not sure it's a turn that a lot of people necessarily see coming, but it's uproariously funny. And then at the end of the, again, it's one of those that if, if you don't tear up a little bit, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, it was great. I, I try to watch it every year if I 
Oh, yeah. No, no, Mexico. No. And it's another one of those where it doesn't matter how that, that's one of the things that makes these things so timeless. It doesn't matter how many times you see it. You, you still enjoy it. That, that's the beauty of a Christmas story, <clears throat> which is, of course, a more modern thing. But, you know, they'll, they'll show it. 24-7, right? You know, the, on TNT or TBS or maybe on both of them. You know, and it, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many times I've seen it. I'm still going to watch it two or three times a, a year. I'm just, that's what I'm going to do. Um, number of people are mentioning a Christmas carol. Now there's various versions of the Christmas carol. Um, a couple people are mentioning a Christmas carol with George C. Scott as Mr. Um, Mr. Cruz. Number of people, uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas. Well, that's, um, that's a special one as well. A lot of people are saying that. Home Alone is coming up a lot. A lot of people are saying, well, how about Home Alone? And that's, of course, a good one. And um, Love Actually, which is a more modern one with, with Hugh Grant. But Love Actually is one that gets a lot of attention as well. Let's talk to Judy in West Dallas. Judy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. I can't tell you who plays in it, but it's a black and white. It's probably from the 40s, and it's called It Happened on Fifth Avenue. Right. I know this movie. I know. um, Yeah. (laughs) And I I ended up ordering it because I used to watch it with my folks when I was a kid. And it's just a really good heart, you know, movie that people help each other out. And it's just a great movie. But I also want to tell you about White Christmas. That is one of my favorites. And my kids last year for Christmas bought me tickets for the fireside and we are going on December 10th. Oh, very cool. And I have five kids and they're taking me to see White Christmas. So. Oh, very, very cool. And, and you, you will undoubtedly be, be humming along and singing along to the various tunes, sisters, yeah. sisters, right? Yes. And my, my one son and daughter, they imitate the sister, sisters act all the time. Oh. So <laughs> yeah. it's a, it was, I just started crying when they showed me my. Oh, what a great after, gift. So. When are you going? When's the show? When mm-hmm. are you going? The the 10th. It's over at the fireside. Right. There. I mean, sure, there's probably many weekends, so right. you should get out there and go. Outstanding. That's it. So. Well, that's great, Judy. And you have a very, very Merry Christmas. That's it. Yeah, it happened on Fifth Avenue. She's right. It's like 1947. And the plot, the, the people that are in it, um, uh, the, the star is probably a guy named Victor Moore, who, you know, plays a hobo. But the but the the, the bottom line, if you haven't seen this, it, the, the plot is he, he's he's like a hobo who moves into this mansion because there's this really rich guy who you know leaves his New York mansion to go to Virginia or something like that over the holidays and then hilarity ensues. So that's that's kind of the the dynamic about this. Let's talk to Bob in Elm Grove. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi Jeff. Hi Bob. Um a couple of years ago a number of years ago, uh I was in Walmart and I was looking for stocking stuffers for our family. And um, in the uh, Markdown bargain bin, there were a whole bunch of copies of this DVD of this Christmas movie called The Christmas Movie, and it stars Jimmy Durante and an animatronic squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) And and I bought all of the copies and gave them out to the family and made them watch this movie. It was made in 1950, and the plot is that Jimmy Durante is down on his luck and lives in a basement apartment. And the bad guy upstairs is stuffing money into the wall instead of putting it in the bank and people's accounts, and he's ripping off people. And this animatronic squirrel every day grabs the cash and drops it through a hole in the ceiling onto Jimmy Durante's head as he prays for money. Thanks so much for the call, but I I have to say, 
It takes a lot to stump me during Pop Culture Corner when we're talking about music or books or movies. I got to admit, I have never seen the Jimmy Durant, Duranti and the, and, the and, and the squirrel. I haven't seen that one, but I'll put it on the list. Okay, I am out of time. Thanks for participating. That's it for Pop Culture Corner today. That's it for me. I am back 12 noon on Monday when we do this all again. Have a great weekend. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.